This is the FoxSportsFlorida.com Miami Heat Podcast, and I'm your host, Surya Fernandez. Joining me is Heat Lifer and broadcaster Eric Reed. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time from uh, from all, all this uh, craziness of the season to uh, to join us today. My pleasure, Surya, and there's nothing I'd rather be called other than a dad and a husband than a Heat Lifer. Right, <laughs> that's true. Uh, and... You know this this season has been has been a difficult one for for players for fans I'm sure for the front office and all that uh, and I and I, th- I don't think anybody could have predicted the kind of success that like the Atlanta Hawks have enjoyed as well as the resurgence of of rising teams like the Milwaukee Bucks for example in the East but uh, how surprised are you at the Heat's record this late into the season? Well, I, I think you hit on two of the biggest surprises in the league. Um, you know, the incredible run by Atlanta. And, you know, one of the best coaching jobs I've seen in my 27 years as a broadcaster in the NBA is, right. is how Mike Budenholzer has, has totally transformed Atlanta. You know, we, we used to refer to him as the Spurs JV because of that similar style, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think you can call him a JV anymore. They, they, that team is playing exceptionally well on the offensive end, and uh, they are a team to be reckoned with. And anybody that's not taking them seriously as a championship contender, I think, is 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 missing the boat there. In terms of what Jason Kidd has done with the Milwaukee Bucks, I think it's remarkable, uh, especially when you take away their starting center, Larry Sanders, and their top rookie in Jabari Parker. Both those guys have been missing in action with with either injuries or off-the-court problems, and they're still well above 500. Uh, They're a solid number six in the East, and I think Jason Kidd has probably done the most unheralded best coaching job. In terms of the Heat record, uh, I don't think it's all that surprising when you factor in, you know, the season-ending injury to Josh McRoberts in November, just as he was hitting his stride after missing training camp. Yeah. And, of course, 17, 18 missed games by Dwayne Wade. Uh, you know, Miami going, I believe, 7-10 and 10 in the 17 games he's missed. So I don't think it's all that surprising that the Heat has struggled. I, I think this Heat season will be, you know, in terms of the regular season, will probably be defined by what they do following the All-Star break in those 30 games left. 17 are at home. If there's been a disappointment for the Heat this year, it's their failure to capitalize on the home court. You know, they, they've had a winning record at home in 20, the 26 previous seasons. Um, we all know that the first step in being a good team is to be able to win at home. So I think a healthy Dwayne Wade, uh, teaming up with a very productive Hassan Whiteside. I think it's going to go a long way in defining what kind of regular season this is, whether the Heat will be a playoff team or not, and what kind of, um, you know, hopefully positive mood swing this team is going to take heading toward the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe aside from injuries, what else do you feel has been, you know, those biggest factors for, for this Heat record? Because um, I think that, uh, you know, as far as the bench goes, maybe the backcourt as well, it's been a lot of up and down play. How can they, you know, maybe see consistency or, or maybe it's, it's another factor? Well, I think if you look at everybody's field goal percentage, um, you know, it, it, it's gone down from a, a team that, that shot over 50% a year ago. And it's not really that surprising. LeBron James made the, makes the game easier for whatever team he's playing for right. because he's constantly commanding double and triple teams and he's a very willing and unselfish high-volume score. But, uh, you know, listen, the Heat needs better guard play. You know, Mario Chalmers and Norris Cole and Shabazz Napier, you know, they've all shown flashes of playing the kind of basketball that they can and need to play for this team to win. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Cole is shooting a career low from the field. Chalmers, 
you know, right around his career low, even though he's averaging a career high in points per game. And, and Shabazz has really struggled to make his open jumpers. But I'll be honest with you, sir. I, I did an interview uh, for an upcoming Inside the Heat show with Shabazz uh, about a week or two ago. I learned so much more about this young man. What, what, a, what an unselfish person and player that he is. He's, he's a point guard from the inside out. Uh, I know there's two things that, that bother him more than anything else, and that's losing and turnovers. But when I look at his jump shot, they told him this. I don't see a flaw in his technique or his release. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure the Heat coaches are encouraging the same thing that, that I encourage. You know, shoot with confidence, keep taking your open jump shots. But, you know, I look at the last week or two, he had a seven assist game, and then at Cleveland right before the break, a, a season high eight assists. I think he's the purest of Miami's three point guards. Uh, he really sees the floor. And, and, and again, as, as we come down the home stretch of these last 30 games, you know, yeah, I do want to see what I think is going to be one of the more dynamic pick-and-roll duos in the league take shape in, in Dwayne and, and Hassan Whiteside. But a lot, and, and I do want to see this team you know, capitalize on the last 30 hopefully healthy games. But it's also about this younger core of Heat players stepping up, and it's led by Whiteside. I think these last 30 games will be very intriguing and insightful to what's ahead for Hassan. But he's been a game-changing I think has the ability to be a franchise-changing player. Pat Riley called him our lottery pick a couple of weeks ago when we interviewed him, and I think he's that and then some. He's a lottery pick in terms of talent and size. Uh, that skill level is, is really astounding. I think he's been, as an individual, the most surprising, uplifting story this season in the NBA. And from a Heat perspective, you just want to keep seeing him play and watch this thing continue. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's the most exciting thing about the, that potential, especially with Whiteside. Uh, but you also have some intriguing players like Tyler Johnson, uh, James Ennis. Uh, you talked about Shabazz Napier, of course. Um, you know, they're, they're, and, and you've, you've been there. I mean, you've, you've seen through your eyes uh, so many seasons and lots of highs and lows. Uh, you know, how, how confident are you that, that this front office can turn it around quickly? Because there, there are pieces in place here. Uh, I think it's just a matter of maybe getting it all together. And, and yeah, the, the health has been a huge thing. But, yeah, how confident are you about about where this direction uh, is going with, with the team? Well, I'm pretty confident, um, you know, especially when you talk about the leadership of the Miami Heat. How could you be anything other than confident mm-hmm. in an owner like Mickey Harrison and his son Nick, um, a president, and Pat Riley? You talk about just those three. They have shown in the past their willingness to do whatever it takes to feel the championship caliber team. And, and that's what they're in this for, not just to be good, but to try to be great and, and to dare to be great. So uh, I, I think that's where the focus remains. I, I think there is a young, rising you know, core of new players that are giving Heat fans hope for the future. But I don't want anybody to be thinking about the future right now other than these next 30 games because that's what Eric Spolstra and his team and this front office is thinking about. Now, the trade deadline's coming up on February 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, if Pat Riley can make a move that will strengthen this team without compromising the future, he'll obviously do it. Uh, you know, if there's an area that the Heat are probably most interested in, I'm guessing that it's at point guard or maybe depth at, at, at the shooting guard position. Yeah. But I'm excited to see what, what, you know, a group of eight or nine players can do over the last 30 games. You know, the, the starting lineup, and I'm just projecting this because it could be Napier and Wade for all I know in the backcourt, but let's just say it's Chalmers and Wade. 
um, Lou Aldang, Hassan Whiteside, and Chris Bosch up front. That's, that's a formidable five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Whiteside obviously was a, a key piece and a missing piece to have a seven-foot center with, with the sort of skill and abilities that he has. He's, he's so natural as a rebounder and a shot blocker. And don't sleep on his offense. I, I think, you know, you've seen the 15-foot jump shot. He's got excellent footwork, uh, a nice jump hook. You're going to see his low post game continue to expand. I really think, you know, it, it, he can handle success as well as he's handled his, his rise to this point. Then the sky truly is the limit for a guy that has a world of ability. And then you got, you know, some players coming off the bench and, and Chris Anderson and, and James Ennis and Norris Cole and Tyler Johnson. Um, you know, with Granger and Sean Williams and, and Haslam and, and Justin Hamilton as well. Let's see what this group can do if they can stay healthy over the last 30 games. And that's going to tell us what we need to know, you know, not only whether this is a playoff team or not, but what kind of first round they can give one of those higher seeds. Yeah, and, and, and I wonder this myself. What, what is the potential of of a of a, at least Wade, Bosch, and Whiteside being able to play together for – uh, for an extended stretch of time, and yeah, like you mentioned, there there is depth. I mean, you you have Luol Deng, who's a very versatile player, and um, and y- you would hope for some increased production from the backcourt uh, and and a healthy weight. I think is is essential uh, for the Heat's well, success. Well, that's okay. Yesterday, it's, it's it's been intriguing to me. You know, usually your veteran top players make the game easier for everybody else, and I think right. Wayne and Chris do that. Mm-hmm. But it's it it's been very noticeable to me, even though Dwayne and Hassan have had, you know, very short minutes together, that starting group that I forecast for the last 30 games, they've played a total of 28 minutes together. But I've been just blown away what Whiteside's game has done for Dwayne and and for Chris Bosh. I I think for Bosh, listen, it doesn't give him a free pass not to rebound or, or not to play near the rim. But it certainly frees him up to be in the wheelhouse of his strength uh, as a state-of-the-art stretch four. And there's not all that pressure on him to be the Heat's rim protector and top rebounder, two things he's less comfortable being. So I think it really frees Bach up to, to really play to his strength and, and minimize what he's not strong as that. For Dwayne Wade, listen, every player like Wade, every perimeter guy like Dwayne needs a pick-and-roll partner. And, and I think, you know, with... with Wade, you can't go under the screen and roll on him. With with many of the Heat guards, you can. And that mm-hmm. really deflates a lot of what teams are trying to do in pick-and-roll offense. Yeah. Uh, when you can go under and not worry about that guard shooting the jumper, it, it does minimize some of what you can do. With Dwayne, you can't go under. You've got to go over the screen. Uh, you got to commit two defenders. And, and Whiteside, come on, he's the ultimate receiver on the <laughs> pick-and-roll offense. He, he catches everything. He's got great hands. Great hands. So... Wade lobbing to Whiteside at the rim. You're going to see it a lot over the last 30 games. I think it's going to be a very effective weapon. So it has caught my eye that Whiteside makes the game easier and really adds to the effectiveness of the Heat's two best players in Dwayne and Chris. And I think that speaks volumes about the package that Hassan presents. Definitely, definitely. And in some ways, I feel like this break can be very beneficial to the Heat players so they can recuperate and rest their their body and their minds. Uh, but do you think it's too long of a break with it now being extended, or does this you know help with the Heat with so many injuries, especially with Wade? Well, you know, I, I think Wade is ready. I, I really do believe he is ready. Mm-hmm. This this extra week, it's not going to hurt him, but I, I think he's ready. I, I, listen, anybody that works in this league and 
I've been working as a broadcaster for Miami Heat, uh, you know, for 27 years. The All-Star break is it's kind of a pause that refreshes. Um, I think the couple of weeks leading up to the All-Star break probably are, are the dog days of the season. I, I think when you come back and, and you can see the finish line at near the end of February, you've got all of March and half of April, it's 30 games. It is a competitive sprint to the finish line. Teams are either jockeying to get into the playoffs or for home court in those playoffs. So the games take on a lot of significance and meaning. Uh, very competitive. You, you, you know exactly what it is that you're playing for. And, uh, you know, we all look forward to that. And I think we all look forward to this break. And I, I think the extended break is beneficial. You know, if you're in the All-Star game, you're not going to get home till till Sunday night, Monday morning. And, mm-hmm. and you know, even though the Heat don't play till Friday, they go to practice on Wednesday and, and travel on Thursday. So it's not, you know, as, as, as big a break as you would think. But to me, it is a pause that does refresh, not only physically, but mentally as well. And it gives all of us a chance to sort of anchor back in at home and, and do all those normal family life things that sometimes get neglected during the, the busy rush of, of an NBA season. Right, right. Is this a welcome break from you as well, or, or do you like to stay busy during the break? Well, we stay busy with, with, with all of those things. We're having a birthday party for my daughter this weekend and a bunch of personal and life-oriented things that you, you have time to, to spend with your family and, and, and get done, even even if it's mundane things like uh, working around the house and catching up on your bills and, and all those normal things that, that most of us uh, get a little bit more time to pay attention to. But, yeah, we, we enjoy the All-Star break uh, because, again, it, it's that pause you get a chance to catch up on some things and, and get yourself set for, you know, what is usually a very interesting and enjoyable part of the season. And listen, there's nothing better than following your team into the playoffs. And I know for Heat, Heat Nation, it's, it's a different fight this year and it's a different challenge. You know, you know those last four years, you're, you're thinking about, man, we, we not only got to finish with the best record in the East if we can, mm-hmm. you know, my, those Miami teams are trying to finish with the best record in the league because it's very tangible to, to think about home court in the finals. Well, that's not the fight this Heat team is in. And, you know, one thing you learn in the NBA, you learn a lot of life lessons. And holding on to the past usually doesn't do you much good. It's, mm-hmm. it's about embracing the challenge of the present. And that challenge is, for Miami is, is, is obvious. It's, it, it's not home court in the playoffs right now. It's making the playoffs and solidifying your, your opportunity and really getting healthy, getting continuity, and really seeing what you've got over these last 30 games. So uh, it's going to be very interesting on many levels, but, but the number one goal right now is make sure you get to the playoffs for a seventh straight year. You know, don't ever minimize how important it is for a team to get to the playoffs. Miami's been there six straight years, 10 of the last 11, and 18 times in 26 years of franchise history. So we, we'd love to see that be 19 in 27. Uh, don't minimize the importance of that. You know, we, we travel around this league, and, you know, a couple of weeks ago we're in Minnesota, and this is a team that's been under 500 for a decade. Yeah. They haven't made the playoffs. This is going to be their 11th consecutive year not in the playoffs. Right. Um, <laughs> and yet their fan base is still showing up to games. So uh, I, I know competing for seventh or eighth in the East is not what Heat fans are used to. But uh, don't ever underscore the importance of just being a playoff game. Yeah, no doubt. And 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 I like that attitude that Wade had. That you know, if I'm going to take this you know injury um, break, so to speak, uh, get get my mind and body rested and and whole, and 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 take 
take off for for the for the All Star break, but but not play in the game. Do do you agree with that decision to sit out the game, or do you think he could have played a few minutes, like like maybe Carmelo Anthony plans on doing to at least make an appearance, or or do you, or do you kind of prefer that that you know he, the first time he's going to play is in a Heat jersey, like he said? Well, you know my emotions are mixed for Delane, and as a Heat fan, um, you know obviously you'd like to see him in that Eastern Conference All Star uniform playing in his eleventh All Star game. And he's had right. some great moments, you know, on All Star Sundays, including an MVP, and and we're gonna miss not seeing Dwayne play. But I love his attitude. I, I, I don't know how you could not love, appreciate, and respect the attitude of. You know, Dwayne saying out loud, I don't think it would be right to, to be in an all-star uniform before I'm back in a heat uniform. And, you know, it's funny, before the Cleveland game, uh, there were some rumblings that, that maybe Dwayne would return for that game. Remember, he, he didn't play the night before, but there were thoughts that maybe he would come back. And, and I thought to myself, well, the only way you would bring him back before another week off is if you really wanted to play in the all-star game. Yeah. But with this extra nine-day break, why would the Heat or Dwayne risk it? You take that Cleveland game off, and you're not going to come play in the All-Star game when you've missed you know, the last seven Heat games in a row. So I think he made a very professional, mature, team-first decision. And uh, could you ask for anything more out of your team leader and, and self-proclaimed Heat lifer? So he did what Dwayne Wade always does, the unselfish team thing. And I applaud him for it. I respect him for it. I'm sorry he's not going to play on Sunday, but... Uh, Listen, he, he's hurting over the fact that he hasn't played 17 times this year. He, yeah. he, you know, it means a lot to him to lead this team back to the playoffs and have a great season. And I thought he was having a very good year prior to the injuries. I mean, he's averaging over 20 a game. His shooting percentage has been near 50% all year. I think when he's played and been healthy, he's played very well. So I, I look forward to, to seeing him finish out the season like this and, and hitting the playoffs in full stride. Yeah, and I was just about to ask you that because there has been criticism from you know people like Charles Barkley uh, and you know whether you think Wade deserved to be voted in as a reserve. But yeah, I, I agree with you. He's he's played very well when he has played, of course. But but I thought he I thought he brought his his game, his a game when he did play, and and with an increased responsibility on both ends of the floor with with LeBron gone. Well, I think he's an excellent team leader, and uh, you know I think. He still has plenty of gas left in his tank. It's it's just a matter of staying healthy, mm-hmm. and and that's what it's really all about for Dwayne, and, and has been all about for Dwayne over the last few years. So, you know, nobody's harder on Dwayne than Dwayne, and I'm sure he's disappointed. This, these are not been knee problems. Twice it's been a hamstring this year, but those are very tricky injuries that can linger. Maybe other teams push him back faster than Miami has. So. Uh, you know, Wade has received a lot of scrutiny and criticism uh, for missing time over the last three or four years, but that's just the way it goes. And, and players only have so much control over injuries and how healthy they stay. And uh, I know he came back in better shape this year, lighter weight, better cardio condition. But listen, when you're hurt and you're going to work out on the side with the trainers and the assistants, that's harder than playing. Um, yeah. And no player would, would choose that over playing. So it's not by choice. Um, it, it is by circumstance, and I do look forward for Dwayne, uh, for being healthy over these last 30 games. Listen, I think, you know, while you need Chris Bosch to step up even more when Dwayne's not there, it's certainly easier for Chris when, when Dwayne is there. The onus is not just on Chris to score. Let, let's not pull punches. The Heat has had problems on the offensive end all year. They're, they're 29th in the league in scoring, 
and that factors in a lot of time with Dwayne. So even with him, uh, they've had problems uh, manufacturing enough points to win. It, 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 you know, it, it's hard to win when you're scoring 90 points a game, or, or, and even harder uh, if you're in the 80s. Think about the pressure that that puts on your defense. You know, the Heat right now are giving up the second fewest points in the league. Now, some of that is style of play and, and tempo. Uh, I, I truly believe that, you know, field goal percentage defense, what you allow the opponent to shoot for the field, is more telling about the quality of your defense and the, the amount of points you allow. Listen, you can't argue with that. The Heat are holding teams, to, you know, in the low 90s. And they're still under under, under 500 teams. So uh, that offense, I think, will be improved with a healthy way team with Bosch and Whiteside. And, again, that's going to be the curiosity for the remainder of the season. How well can that healthy group do in those final 30 games? Go, go a long way in, in, in feeling the playoff fate and telling you how you feel about, uh, about the season. And, you know, usually seasons are all, you know, totally defined by the playoffs. I'm not so sure this is one of those years. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe this is not a year that you're going to the NBA Finals again. But So I, I, I'm not sure, you know, if, if the definition of this season, like the last four teams, really will all be spelled out in the playoffs. But I think these last 30 games and how the Heat get into that first round and, and play in that first round is really going to capture how we all feel about this year when we look back on it. Yes, and 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 same thing with, with, with Wade. Um it's not like he's the only one that's that's been having so many injury issues. I mean, I think it's remarkable this season how many stars have 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 had several injuries uh, to, to to many of the teams. I think maybe the Warriors and the Hawks. I don't think it's coincidence that they have the best records in the NBA because they've been remained you know relatively health health uh, healthy. Um, do you think there's any other steps the NBA can take to you know ensure a quality product? Uh, you know, the extended break for the All Star game is. I think it's is great, but do you think the season itself needs to be extended or less games? Uh, do you have any other uh, ideas as far as what the NBA can do? Because yeah, Wade is certainly not the only one. No, you know, listen, injuries in all sports—they're—they're uh, they're so often random, yeah. yet they're—they're they're so often season-defining, and and usually the best teams uh, are, are the teams that have kept their key players the healthiest. Uh, you know, I know Adam Silver's given a lot of thought. The NBA's, you know new commissioner who's been in the league for a long time is David Stern's right-hand man. It's been a much talked about, uh, situation of how can you, you know, better the quality of play. And, you know, we know one thing that they're not going to play less games. I think 82 is really written in stone. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wants to give money back, um, as a, as an owner or as a player, uh, by playing less games. Yeah. But I think the easiest fix, Listen, it's really hard. Back-to-back games are challenging. Uh, what's even more challenging is the four and five nights and the five games in seven nights. I-, I think those do more to probably enhance the chance of injury and diminish the quality of play probably than any other single factor. You know, when, when you got to play five games in seven nights, most of the time it's in five different cities. So there is a tremendous wear and tear physically and, and mentally for, for the players in this league. So the easy fix, it, it, it almost seems so easy that, that, I, that I feel very confident that they're going to do this within the next year or so. Uh, to me, it's, you know, you, do you really need eight preseason games? I, I would say you don't. And I think you could cut the preseason in half, uh, play four preseason games, and start the regular season a minimum two weeks earlier, and maybe extend the regular season by another week or two. So if you could add a month of schedule time, 
to fit those 82 games in, you can certainly spread the games out more and avoid four games in five nights, five games in seven nights, right. teams playing over 20 sets of, of back-to-backs. I, I think that'll go a long way in, in adding to the quality that uh, of you know the quality of play in this league. Yeah, definitely. I, and I agree, too. I don't, I don't see that there's any reason why they can't do that. And, and I agree with the preseason. I think it's too long. Uh, and, but going back to the All-Star Weekend, what's, what's your favorite event uh, for that? And, you know, do you have any players uh, to watch out for in the Slam Dunk Contest or maybe in the Rising Star Challenge? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not even that familiar with the players that are in the dunk contest this mm. year or the guys in the Rising Challenge. It, it seems to change by the day. Yeah. I, I think over the years, I've always enjoyed the dunk contest, uh, but a little bit less each year. The three-point contest is always a lot of fun. Um, and the all-star game itself is enjoyable. You know, I, I sort of sit back as a fan, and, and even my nine-year-old daughter this year, she was asking me, Daddy, what, what's All-Star Weekend all about? And when I started describing to her some of the sort of the pop culture events involved with it, the celebrity game, all the musicians that are there, and, and, the, and the entertainers that perform. So I think it's fun to just you know, sort of sit back on your living room couch, Turn on All-Star Friday, enjoy All-Star Saturday, watch it with the family, enjoy the great athletes and competitors in this league, showing off their skill sets on a variety of different platforms, and I just think it's fun. You know, the dunk contest has lost a lot of luster over the years because the top echelon players, for whatever reason, choose not to be in it. But it's still fun, and uh, you always find something to enjoy about it. Yeah, and I think Tyler Johnson should have been in the slam dunk contest, but that's just me. Uh, do, you, do you see Bosch having a, a big game in the All-Star game uh, to kind of you know prove something, or do you see him you know maybe laying low a little bit, have a good game, but not exert himself? Yeah, you too never much. can tell. You never <laughs> can tell whose shots are going to go in and who's right. going to get into a flow. But listen, this is Chris Bosch's tenth All-Star game. He doesn't have much left to prove. Uh, I think to himself or to his All-Star peers, you make the All-Star team ten times in your career. I mean, that's one giant step toward being a Hall of Fame player. So, right. you know, Bosch is, is very well established among his peers. I think he probably has more respect from, from, from his fellow players and from coaches around the league than maybe even does from, from, the, from the average fan. Chris does a lot of things defensively that the casual fan would not notice. Uh, uh, he's a very versatile defender who can, you know, guard, you know, guard people on the perimeter in pick-and-roll situations and also guard big guys underneath. Uh, and, and I just think for Chris, it's, it's getting into a groove, settling in with, with, with Hassan Whiteside and Dwayne and Deng. And uh, I think the only thing Chris wants to prove is that, that he's a part of a Heat team that can make some noise in the playoffs. I, I, I think that's his focus. Right. Uh, how he does it in the All-Star game is almost insignificant. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for, for, for talking with me. We had a great conversation um, before the season started with with uh, your whole experience as, as far as being a hate lifer. I encourage uh, people that are listening to this to try to find it on the website, I guess, Google Heat Life for Fox Sports Florida. But uh, that was a great interview. And once again, uh, thank you so much for, for passing by and, uh, and dropping some knowledge on, on the Heat and, and the All-Star break. For you, it's my, it's my pleasure. I'll tell you what, when we talk about that, that rising uh, new wave of Heat talent, I'm going to include you in on oh, wow. your first year covering <laughs> the Heat uh, for FoxSports.com. And uh, you've done a terrific job uh, in, in what you're doing. You've really enhanced the coverage of the, of the team, and we've enjoyed getting to know you and, and coming on with you occasionally. No, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you as well. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.